When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome, and thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. I'm Zach Brittle. I'm on my own this week, sort of. I mean, Laura got a headache, she had a migraine or something. Uh, She did not have the COVID. She thought maybe for a second she did, but she doesn't. Um, But I'm here this week with my friend, Stephen James. Stephen is someone that you should know about. I brought him on the podcast ostensibly to tell you about his book, which is called Hope in the Age of Addiction, How to Find Freedom and Restore Your Relationships. I know that this is a time of year when addictions of all sorts sort of pop up. It's also a time of year that we're talking about hope. As it turns out, in this conversation, we don't talk about addiction at all, um, but we do talk quite a bit about hope, um, and it's not obvious. And that's one of the things I love about talking to Stephen is that you sort of think you're talking about one thing, but sometimes you find out you're talking about another thing. Um, He regularly blows my mind. I think he'll blow your mind too. This is a very cool conversation. Stick around. Okay, people, we're just going to jump right into it. You just missed about four minutes of monologue that was uh, mind-blowing to me. Because I'm talking to one of my favorite people on the planet. He's one of the the most sort of engaging and smartest human beings I know, therapists I know, husbands and fathers. I think you're going to really enjoy hearing from Stephen about just kind of what's going on in his world. We are good friends. We've been friends for about 20 years. And uh, part so, of what and I'm sad I think is it that, makes it sound so old. Well, I mean, I think it's weird to be a person who has friendships that are 20 years old that are um, that began when I was an adult. That's the yeah. thing that's kind of weird, but. Anyway, people in marriage therapy radio land, you dismissed this uh, this piece that was really, really just uh, reminiscent for me of the way that Stephen engages the world, which is through um, complex lenses and through themes and patterns. Uh, a lot of his work is around uh, parenting. Most recently, it's around addiction. Um, he does a lot of leadership work, and uh, we're just going to chat like friends and see what we can glean. I have some specific questions, but maybe this will go all over the place. Laura has a migraine headache, so she's not with us, uh, which maybe is even more fun today. So, hey, Stephen, <laughs> good to see no, you again after five hey, minutes of you blowing my mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, Zach, I've, I've been looking forward to this. This has been fun yeah, because we, we scheduled this like in April the or something, yeah. and I appreciate uh, between your fancy, boundaries so and I mine. Called, <laughs> Stephen is this, here, okay, so people, I, I'll just talk to everybody at once. So Stephen is this this guy in my life. I can text him at two o'clock in the morning and be like, hey, I've got this question that I, uh, that's, that it's burning on my soul. And I'm wondering if you can give me like five minutes. And he's like, yep, absolutely. And it's at like 4 a.m. And he's just, he'll give me a hundred percent of his attention. I'm like, hey, want to come on the podcast? He's like, yep, need to talk to my assistant. And she's like, how about five months from now? And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> Well, I don't know if I, I kind of thought he would say yes, yesterday for tomorrow, but um, you're busy. What are you doing? Tell, tell us about like who you are and what you're up to. Yeah, I do two main things. One is I uh, lead a company called the Leadership Lab, which is a membership organization for leaders that want to live more meaningful, purposeful, uh, impactful lives. And so we... Um, it's because a coaching program for people who are successful in their life and then have built leaders and see themselves as leaders and are asking the question, now what? And recognize they're lonely in that and that becoming a leader 
inherently makes you more lonely because it's a smaller pool. Um, so I, I, that's my main thing. With that, we do uh, I work with organizations that are in complex leadership moments. So they might be merging. Uh, they might be uh, buying a company and, and absorbing it. They might uh, be going through some big transition. Uh, and I work with on the human capital side of that, of helping organizations navigate and metabolize and grow through change. So my background, as you know, is as a, as a therapist for 20 something years now, 20 years. And um, I've taken all those skills as a therapist, individual and marriage counseling and all those ways that we look at problems and help people find meaning in those things. And I've applied that to uh, the work environment and we spend a third of our life asleep. We spend a third of our life typically working and, and a third of our life doing other. And so I think work is a really meaningful place, especially in Western culture. So that, I, mean, I work in that realm of making work and life more meaningful um, for people. That's a lot of what I do. I also own a uh, counseling center called Sage Hill Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. And it's uh, essentially a group practice. We've got about 20 therapists that, uh, give or take the week if it moves moves up and down and um, uh, where we're just helping people be who they're made to be so they can do what they're made to do you know um, across pretty much later adolescence up through adulthood we don't do a lot of children work we do we got a few therapists that work with teenagers and most of what we do is individual and couples therapy do some workshops and intensives yeah so I lead that I don't do much therapy anymore direct therapy services but I uh, I train therapists and um, help them think about the work that they do. Uh, I think in better ways, more, more, more robust and durable ways. It's kind of what I talk about so, with them. Right on. Yeah. Your husband, you've been married about the same as me. I've been, we're coming up on 25 years. Yep. Now, our anniversary is next week. As we record this a week from today is my 20, 26th wedding anniversary. Right on. Happy we, anniversary. We, I think this will come out right before that. So we'll, we'll oh, make sure everybody. We'll make sure everybody. Uh, Happy anniversary, the, Heather. Anniversary. She won't listen. She won't <laughs> listen to this. But well, yeah. I'll, I'll say, you know, that, that is the thing. And maybe we'll talk about my childhood and my family and all that stuff growing up. Or I don't know. But like my marriage is the thing I am most proud about in my whole world. Like I just described it my work, you know. Yeah. But yep. like the thing that like I'm most amazed of and feel honored by and um privilege to have is and the thing that probably frustrates me and scares me the most is my marriage but i I love heather i love being married too um and i think marriage is a really awesome thing and so can you talk about that a little bit more and here's why i want you to talk about it because i um i know this is true about you and i and i'm not surprised that you said that you know when we have clients come into our office and a lot of people who are listening to this they're thinking about marriage often through the lens of pain right? Like that's why people come into a counseling office. That's why they choose to listen to a podcast. Like I want to fix something or I want to feel better about something. It's not because it's their, your passion or their energy. And they just want to like deepen their love of this institution. Right. Um, but I know this is true about you. And, and, and again, one of the things that I'm, uh, that, that happened right before we started recording was this idea of you talking. And I think people need to have this experience more often, which is, huh, I've never thought about it that way before. I've never, I've never really thought about trauma or family or work like that. And I think you're, I think I'd like to hear you talk about your marriage or marriage in general in a way that I'm sure people will be like, huh, 
I don't know. So the bar is okay. pretty high. I hope you can clear it. Well, yeah, it's like which which as you're talking, I'm trying to like frame what I even would say. Well, like let's no, just talk no about no why you love marriage. Like why why are yeah. you proud of this thing? Uh, I'm yeah. Why I'm proud of it. Um, I you know I, I well here here goes my story. I grew up in a family uh, where my parents divorced when I was 17. Right, right, bef- like the week before my senior year of high school, the the day after. I got a bronze medal in the junior Olympics. Like my parents break this news that they're getting a divorce. They had been falling apart as a couple. Like my own recollection was probably like my eighth grade trip to DC, like where I grew up. One of the rites of passage was like, you take an eighth grade bus trip to DC, you know? And uh, I remember sitting around with some friends talking at some roadside cafe about our families, you know, the way dramatic, middle schoolers do, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I remember commenting on my parents' marriage and it kind of s- startling to me to say it, uh, that, that they're probably going to end up divorced. So they, before they even got divorced, like six, seven, eight years, they were not doing marriage really well. There's a lot of tension, um, in our family, a lot of, uh, loneliness, a lot of, um, uh, for me as a kid, it was like a super lonely place. Uh, there, for them as a couple, there was a lot of tension. It just was not a, a restful place to be, was at home. So I spent a lot of time being gone uh, from home. So that, that's part of the background, right, is, is uh, th- this family that didn't really work well as a family and a lot of, just a lot of independence. I met Heather in college. Uh, and she would been, she still is very beautiful and she was very beautiful then. And so as a college yeah, student, that's kind of, you. that's for sure. Yeah. She's what I, I so overkicked my coverage. She's smart. She's beautiful. She's funny. She's strong. And really the thing that attracted me the most to her was that we were out one night and I was pontificating about something. And she said, that's bullshit. Like she called me on it and I was like, who is this woman? And so it was her standing up to me was actually the thing that I found the most attractive to her. It was very engaging. Um, we fell in love. And, you know, you and I are different than uh, the generation that's like the generations after us. For us, getting married was a rite of passage. It was part mm-hmm. of becoming an adult, right? Yeah. Something has shifted in our culture in the last, you know, 15 years or so. Um, that the idea is that you grow up, you get your life together, and then you get married. You know, um, for us, getting married was part of becoming a grown up. It was, yeah. it was what, what we did. I think there's actually some evidence that it, it does help you mature, uh, that not getting married actually delays your maturity. There's this thing called second adolescence now where you, I mean, there's some actually brain science around not getting married and having children keeps your brain from entering into a level of maturity. So now we've created this thing for, for people in their thirties called uh, second adolescence or delayed adolescence. It's a whole new psychological phenomenon of people not maturing anyway. Sorry, people. Yeah. If you're not so that, yeah. If you're listening to this, you're probably married or want to be or have been. So you, you, you're, uh, I'm not insulting you too much. Uh, so you know, I got married out of love of my wife and desire to want to be with her. Out of a uh, like a sociological drive to like mature and become responsible, grown up, and and lose the amount of maturation. I very quickly learned uh, that I was play acting as a grown up. Like when I was like, when I got married when I was 22, 
the day after I graduated college was my wedding. You know, I graduated December 15th, December 16th. I got married. Heather had been out of school. But I, very quickly, like 22, 23, 24, 25, my early part of my marriage was me play acting and pretending to be somebody I wasn't, pretending to be a man. Um, through a long series of events, I end up out in Seattle where we met and uh, part of a graduate school program and becoming a counselor. And I was in counseling personally outside of the graduate school. And, and I really realized, like really good trainer, like really, I had this great team. trainer that was just, yeah. I'd met with every week and he just changed my life. And, yeah. Yeah. Which was you, right. He was a great guy. guy. Yeah. A great guy. Uh, he yawned a lot though, which is strange. I couldn't I know. <laughs> I still do that. I still do that. Uh, uh, anyway, so am I boring this guy? No, but in, I realized I was telling you and I was telling my counselor like outside of the school things about me that Heather didn't know. Mm. And, um, and I realized how much of a fraud I was inside my own family. And I really couldn't have, we'd had a daughter by that point. And, and I remember like just feeling this sense of, I was getting Emma Claire out of the bath. That's our daughter. And she's 20, almost 22 now getting her out of the bath at that time. And I remember looking at her and I remember like, Oh gosh, this little baby, like, don't look at me because like you're, you're going to really see who I am and I don't want you to see who I am, which is like a kind of a deep psychological thought. And so I kind of came to this crossroads of like, if I'm going to be married, I want to be married to a person who knows who I am and I'm willing to not be married as opposed to be in a fraudulent relationship where I'm acting and pretending. So I remember talking to you, we're talking to my therapist and I went home and said to Heather one day after class or something, I said, I, um, there's things about me I need you to know. And uh, if you don't know them, um, we're, we just can't be close. And, and some of it was about, you know, I was sexually abused growing up. So I, I told her that I told her uh, about me feeling like a fraud. I told her, you know, but my big motivation in life was trying to make her happy and not really being with her. Talked about that. And so I talked for, like I was just dumping secret upon secret out mm-hmm. for probably 15, 20 minutes. And I was crying and she was crying and then it got real quiet. And uh, I said, what are you thinking? And she said, I thought it was all my fault. Mm. And it was like, it, it was like the, the first time we'd ever been like really that close, mm. you know? And I was like, uh, it was the, probably the most unalone I'd ever felt up until that point in my life was like that day uh, in Bothell, Washington, you know, like it's, and um, that started the end of our first marriage and the beginning of our second marriage. Like that was the beginning of this, this, you know, and we've been married now. I think we're, we're working out our fifth marriage right now. Like we're kind of moving into our fifth marriage to each other. And, and uh, so one of the reasons I love, being married to Heather is I love this idea that it's a place I can be myself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's a place that I can work on maturing. It's a place that has taught me uh, about my strengths and about my gifts. It's also taught me about my limitations. It's also taught me that um, I'm very achievement oriented and goal oriented and Heather's uh, very um, presence oriented so it's, she's always inviting me just by the nature of who she is into just like being still and just spending time. And so it's, 
we have certainly have this yin and yang kind of relationship where together we make a whole person. And I think that's true for almost every couple I've worked with mm-hmm. and met is that we find this person that fits us in a way or to quote, what's the, what's the movie with Tom Cruise? Like you complete me, yeah. you know, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Uh, but it's also like you like confound me and you bother me. So on our best days, like we make a whole person on our worst days, um, we're competing and at war for like, whose style is going to be in control of, of our family. Uh, she mostly wins those because she's, she's better at that than I am uh, better at winning than I am. Uh, That's how puzzles work, right? But uh, yeah, they're, they're supposed to, they're supposed to confound you on the way to figuring out like, Oh yeah. now it all fits together. Yeah. So, so it's been this evolution for 26 years now of, of how do we fit? How do we work? Who are we becoming? She says something really wise when we were dating she doesn't remember saying it, but it like stuck with me and we were engaged and she said, we're going to change a lot. And the, and our ability to keep growing out loud with each other is going to determine whether or not we will be married and be happy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that has stuck with me. Like instead of trying to keep her the same or me stay the same, it's like, Oh, like we're evolving. And how do we, um, how do we do this? And I think it goes back to something you've said a lot. And I believe is that we choose to be married. Like it's like something I have to get up every day and choose to be married and believe that, mm-hmm. that I'm actually a better person and a more virtuous person by being part of this thing than I am being off on my own. Right. Um, because yeah. on my own, like my world becomes really small, becomes narrow, becomes self-focused. Like the, the worst parts of being a human kind of show, the human experience kind of show up when I'm on my, on my own. Uh, and so, yeah. And she's, you know, and so that there's that I'm a much better husband than I am father though. I would say that like, okay. I like being, I'm better at being a husband than I am being a father. I, okay. I struggle as a dad. Uh, yeah. so I, All right. I didn't. Yeah. Um, I'll have you talk about that for a second. So you have Emma Claire, then who's the twins are next. No, Elijah's next. So Elijah's Emma Claire, next. he's how yeah, he's 19 a freshman in college. Right. Okay, so I remember this almost ended our friendship, which is you were pregnant with Elijah and you didn't know if you were having a boy or a girl, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And we were pregnant with Abby. Yes. And we had decided we wanted to name her Abby. And you were like, if it's a girl, we might name her Abby. And I was like, and he was going to be born first. And I was like, if you do that, if you take if you take the name that I have picked for my kid, we will we will never be friends. And I remember yeah. when Elijah was born and it was and he was a boy and I was like, yes, I get to name I don't know what that's about because we had lost another name to a cousin. <laughs> Abby wasn't our first choice, but uh, it's absolutely the right choice. So I'm glad Elijah uh, is Elijah. Yeah. He wasn't going to be Elijah, but he was going to, we were, yeah, he was going to have another name, but the way his birth happened, we changed his name because it, it, uh, he almost died when he was born. He was actually dead when he was born and was resuscitated and had a really complicated birth. Uh, and so we wanted to give him a name that kind of marked his birth. And so we waited a few days and researched names. And Elijah is a Jewish name that means the Lord is God, which basically means like, it ain't up to you. You're not the center of the universe. Like there's this whole other program going on. Um, and so that's, that's his, his birth kind of represented like uh, the, another ending of the fantasy that we thought life was, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So talk to me a little bit about, uh, and then we so, have Henry and Teddy who are 16 year old twins. So we've right got, on. yeah. 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 And then you're, and you're done. You're done having children. I am. So, yes. I am surgically done having children. Uh, <laughs> I, I always ask I'm, couples this yeah. in my practice because I think, you know, as you talk about even just the phases of trying to make sense of it, there is something that happens to a family when they, when they know, or they understand that they're done having children, right? Like if, if we're still growing, it's really hard to plant your flag in the ground and sort of go, okay, this is who we are and this is what we're going to be doing. And of course there's all kinds of nuance, right? Sometimes you have surprises or whatever, but, um, but when a couple comes into my office and I'm in sort of assessing, one of the things I want to know is where are we at? Like, where are we at in the, in sort of the phases part of the equation? Um, because you could do a whole bunch of work about, you know, creating stability in your marriage. And then baby number three comes along and you're like, Oh, got to start over, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, we stuff. were so, you know, we had two kids and we were really good parents. Like we were crushing yeah. it with two kids. We were a little arrogant, but we, I think we were pretty evolved people. Uh, we were, you know, both therapists. So we had that narcissism going on and arrogance going yeah. on. And yeah. we thought, you know, if most people shouldn't have more than two children. And uh, we, we had actually a conversation like this. So sad. Two is uh, the right number, by the way. Two, yeah, that's what you have. So you, you're, yeah. you're it, better than it, me. Um, and so we said, well, we're such good parents. We should probably have a third child. And so we got pregnant. And then at our 20 week sonogram, we found out we were pregnant with twins. I fainted like, and then Heather went into shock, started shaking. They have been two incredible blessings in our lives and has taught me that, that the only thing harder than being married uh, is being a parent. Like it's so hard being a parent. Uh, It's so hard there's a sense of like being it's my something's deeply at stake for me that these kids are running around the world and mm-hmm. um, they have the power to ruin my life with, and they're not even thinking about me, but they have all this power to like, you know, change the shape of my life. And they're just thinking about themselves most of the time. Um, which yeah, they're so supposed to. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're better at being a husband than you are at being a parent, but what is a good parent? I don't know. Being, uh, uh, I don't okay, know. That's not fair because you, you've got like four parenting books on the market. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not going to help you sell any books. <laughs> right. Well, I'm not sure the parenting books are selling. No, the, uh, they, they are. One of them is for sure. Um, I think this last book I wrote, Parenting with and, Heart. Well, hold on a second here. Yeah. Like you do know, I mean, because uh, I'm going to plug myself. I wrote my book, The Marriage Therapy Journal. Steven has a bonus chapter in that book. So if you're interested in uh, this interview and learning more about parenting, you should buy my book and I'm going to tell you why actually Steven's going to tell you why he's a great parent and what he has to offer you. Here you go. Three, <laughs> two, one, go. Your children need you as a person. They don't need you to be perfect for them and they don't need you to chart their life in a way that's going to inoculate them from heartache and trauma and anxiety. And yeah. this, this movement that we've been a psychological movement that started in the sixties and we can thank James Dobson for leading the way and all the other people that came around him that we can program a family in the right way that somehow is going to produce a product called a child has created so much neuroticism and anxiety and depression and addiction. And like, it has just fueled this massive problem, uh, which ends up creating a, child-centered home or a parent-centered home, which are both not really relational. And uh, 
and it, this idea that parents have some responsibility beyond like they have some they're supposed to like create some product called a child yeah. is uh it, it ends up creating all kinds of problems, right? And We've so had what this a, conversation yeah. several times, so I know what you mean by this, but um, but maybe others don't. So I'll ask you a couple of uh, like okay, uh, sort of bullshit meter questions, which is, what do you mean? What do you mean a parent centered home isn't relational, or child centered home isn't relational? That's actually what it is. It's relational. Okay, um, thanks for asking about that. Relationship means like both people matter equally. Right. And when I'm when I've centered a system, a family system around just the needs of the child and making sure that the child or the children get all of their needs met. Right. And then I back back out like what I need. If there's any margin left over, like I'll take care of me. Then like you end up like creating a lot of anxiety for a child because the child intuitively like starts internalizing this idea that. I've got to be okay or successful or um, well-rounded or whatever the values of the family are in order for mom and dad to be okay. Right. Like Mm -hmm. they start internalizing a lot of pressure and a lot of anxiety. And so the child is only left to then live at least a double life. Like they have their own private internal world and then some other external reality, Um, which is great for our business because those people show up in counseling years later. So it's, yeah. Thanks, parents, for doing that. Right. So that's not helpful. The other model where then it's a parent centered home and the, the the child is just adjacent to the parent's agenda, but the a parent's life, you know, leaves both the parent and the child really lonely. And so then the child's seeking this relationship it's, it's looking for, this confirmation and affirmation it's looking for from the parent. And, you know, only that we old phrases like only speak if you're spoken to, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's because I said so, like because things like so. that. Right? Ooh, it was right on yeah. the tip of my tongue. Yeah, uh, like those are hallmarks of a, of a parent centered home. Um, when you when you step back from it and go, wow, like this is a human being. These are a bunch of human beings interacting, and at the foundation of human of humanity is this need to belong and matter, and family becomes like the biggest expression of belonging and mattering. Like I matter to these people and I belong. And and it's, you go, wow, the, the authority or the power I have in this child's life is only because I was born first, you know, and Mm. that we have equal, we have our worth is equal. It's not greater or less. The, uh, our gifts are different. Um, Then you, then you start leaning into this, this responsibility as a parent, to participate in the mystery of who this child's becoming and who you're becoming alongside at the same time. Right. And so it's a, it's a much wilder ride, um, you know, but a much more human relational give and take learning posture than it is like, I've got all the answers or what, how I encounter most parents is I've got a lot of anxiety and shame that I need this kid to fix for me. My -hmm. kid turns out this way, then I'll write whatever right is for that parent, then I'll be okay. You know? Mm. And I think that's a disservice to parents. It actually, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of problems that go along with that. But, um, so that's what I mean. Like not relational that it's not, it's not a mutual co-creation of, of a relationship. Yeah. 
You know that Zach and I are huge fans of getting support, and that is why we have partnered with BetterHelp to put you in contact with licensed professional counselors in your area. Tap into the world's largest network of licensed, accredited, and experienced counselors who can help you with a range of issues, including depression, anxiety, trauma, grief, relationships, and more. With BetterHelp's counselors, you get the same professionalism and quality that you would expect from an in-office counselor. With the ability to communicate when and how you want, whether it be messaging, through the phone, or video conferencing. The matching process is quick but thorough. Look, I know that a lot of therapists are booked out and difficult to get into, but don't let that stop you from getting the support that you need. The cost is less than half of what Zach and I charge, which is kind of unheard of. And when you register with BetterHelp, you are supporting Marriage Therapy Radio. Go to trybetterhelp.com MTR. So it's trybetterhelp.com forward slash MTR to register with BetterHelp. T-R-Y-B-E-T-T-E-R help H-E-L-P.com forward slash M-T-R and you receive a special discount as a Marriage Therapy Radio listener. How do you support or direct or parents who come into your office and you can sort of suss that out quickly that there's something going on, but more importantly, it's different. Like she's like child-centered home and he's like parent-centered home. What do you, what do you have for them? Um, I have a, I ask a lot of questions. Like I, I have, I probably used to give more answers than I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, now I've, I've, I'm in a place where I just ask a lot of questions and um, I might point out, I would definitely do point out like, well, here's, sounds like this is important to you. Uh, the theme that I think about that shows up mostly in parenting or in a counseling room when people are talking about parenting is there really are trying to uh, get some insurance policy emotionally that this child's not going to experience what they experienced. Right. It's so, it's such a narrow perspective. Like I don't want my child to experience this. And you start poking around in a story with a human being, a human parent, you start finding out they're just trying, they have all this oppositional energy against their own childhood. And they want to make sure that their child doesn't experience what they experienced, which is like, what about the rest of life? Like, I mean, it's so self-centered. It's so fear-based. It's so unprocessed. It's um, so when I start talking about that with parents and you start, you know, and, and all the pressure, one of the biggest fights we have in marriage is a, is centers around, you know, parenting, right? Like money and laws, sex and kids, right? Those are the yeah. four big, big fights. And, and so a lot of times, you know, whatever brings a couple into counseling, we're very quickly talking about differences of opinions and values when it comes to parenting. Right. And um, I mean, Heather and I have really different values about parent, about ourselves. We have a lot of values that overlap, uh, but I value um, some things she doesn't value and she values some things I don't value. And a lot of our conflict around our kids is, uh, you know, whose values are going to or we're going to impose on a given moment. Right. And then my kids, now that they're older, have their own values that they disagree mm-hmm. with mine. And it's like, well, welcome to Thanksgiving, you know, like, um, yeah. And so, so, you know, so I think what I would start, what I start with with couples is asking questions, but really what I'm trying to understand is how are you trying to solve your story through your child? Uh, and how can we stop that process? Right. Cause that's the same thing. We have conflict in marriage a lot is 
how am I trying to fix my historical wounds, my historical heartaches, my, you know, through this relationship. And once I let my spouse off the hook for that, you know, like my marriage really has all these new directions it can go. I can continue to grow as a person. Like it certain opens up the door to something really different than what I might have expected. Uh, you know, this week, for instance, um, one of our teenagers is being a teenager, which is great for him. Like he's, he's doing the things he's supposed to do as a teenager, right? It causes feelings in his parents, you know, yeah. and I was talking to this therapist this week. It works That's with happening me. in my house this week too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, which is great, which is I'm glad they're doing their teenage thing. Um, I say from the security of my office away from home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I was talking to a colleague who works with adolescents and I was asking her some advice. I was like, hey, like, can I run something by you? Like, you know, mm. and, she, and I was kind of laying out some things and, and she said, uh, well, it sounds like you've given your kid a lot of power. You know, and this this person has young children, right? So, she, and so I was like, I said, "Fuck yeah, I'm giving him a lot of power. Like, I love him. Like, he's got all this power to mess up my marriage because what's going to happen is he's going to do this thing. Heather's going to have feelings, and now my marriage is on the rocks for a few days because I'm going to like my kryptonite in my marriage is Heather being in a bad mood, right? Because growing up, my mom's mood ruled the world." And whether or not I was going to get what I needed as a person from my family was really set on the barometer of my mother's mood, you know, and, and I could read the back of my mother's shoulders at the sink in the morning to know if I could ask for lunch or if I was going to buy lunch at school that day. I just buy her posture and her tone and, Mm. you know, um, and so like deeply imprinted in my psyche, in my limbic brain you know, like down deep in my heart is like, is Heather, is Heather going to take to the bed, which she never has, but is she going to take the Southern phrase, like take to the bed for a few weeks and I'm going to be alone, you know? So like, it's so hard for me for her to have a bad day mm. because it takes me back to this childhood place. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, now 20, almost, almost 26 years in, we can have a conversation about that. We used to like, not even know that was happening. Then we would fight about it. And then we would like, I can now call Zach her and tell her vigorously. For those yeah, exactly. Like now I can say, it's like, Hey, like last night I was out with a buddy and I called her on the way home and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm really, I'm really sorry. Like you're having a hard day and I just am not capable of being there for you. Like, it's just like, it, it's just my kryptonite and I, I want to be there for you better. And I sent, I sent her a little text even after that saying like, hey, we're going to get through this. And then she said, which is a total Stephen quote, she goes, we may or we may not. I hope that encourages you. <laughs> it's like we totally switched roles. And it's like she was being the realist and I was being the op- optimistic one. And yeah, uh, but it was like, I mean, we can have this wonderful conversation now, right? Like, yeah, I, and that feels so uh pop like so hopeful and possible to me like that that like she can be upset and i can be okay yeah you know and i think so, uh, yeah. yeah practically we're out of time so i wanted to end, but i'm oh. glad we ended kind of right where you're at which is i think um i thought we were going to get on and talk about your newer book which is called hope in the age of addiction 
Um, I don't want to open that can of worms right now, but for those of you who've enjoyed this conversation, you should check it out, particularly if addiction is present in your world and in your life, because I think the thing that you just ended with is the thing that I, I, th- I hope we've been talking about, which is hope, right? That, yeah. that you have, you, that you're not stuck. Um, and that it's a journey and it's complicated. You, you have sort of embedded themes that I know are uh, sacred to me and you both. This idea of curiosity is really valuable. Um, and that sometimes, you know, the journey is, <laughs> what is it? The journey with you is worth the fall or whatever. But it's like, mm-hmm. I think people get so caught up in the, in their momentary pain. And I need to do this better that we have to remember that it's part of a larger story. It's part of a much, yeah. much, much larger story that is, being told in and through us. And, you know, for me, the hope of parenting and I think of my marriage is being in uh, an adult relationship with my kids and, and having that be something that, that is fruitful and enjoyable and uh, that it's not based on or even me or me, but like, you know, yeah. I feel like I didn't even like, I'm sorry. Our time's up. I like I said anything helpful. Maybe, maybe someone will like put a comment on the thing and say, no, that really was helpful. Well, it's helpful uh, to me. I mean, I, again, I think uh, I need, I need to have conversations like this more often in my life. And I think people, people probably do as well. Um, just where you can kind of let kind of the truth roll out. And, and when I say the truth, I mean kind of the truest thing about the truest thing, the truest, the, the, it's the truth that your marriage is hard and that your partner is annoying and that your kids are assholes. But the truest thing is that we're all in this together, right? Like, um, yeah. what did you say? What did you say about Elijah's name? Like, um, Oh, the Lord is God. Like it's not, a, but then right not, after that, not, you said, yeah. um, we're not the center of the universe. It's not, it's not we're not you control. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, a part of what we have to do is take care of our stuff and make sure that we show up as, as effectively and as, uh, as with as much integrity as possible in order to make some of these things easier. I know you're, I know you're wrapping up, but I think that's, that is like the greatest courage a human can offer is like, how do I show up in a world that is wrought with heartache and disappointment, trauma, despair, right? Knowing that like that could happen, but, but what also could happen is like beauty and play and mm-hmm. freedom and possibility and hope. Like, you can't have hope without that, the the real possibility of despair. Like they ha- it has to hope only exists because despair exists, right? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. man, that's that's parenting. That's marriage, right? So, right yeah. Well, thank you, Stephen. Is there uh, how should we find, how should people learn more about you if they want to? Um, I mean, there's books on Amazon. Probably my yeah. most popular book is Wild Things: Art of Nurturing Boys, which is a great book. And there's other books along along those lines uh if you're a leader and you want to be part of a meaningful community of other leaders you can look up the leadership lab.co uh, if um i think those are there's a podcast called called the uh living fully podcast with sage hill that i do periodically which is me just having good conversations with smart people so you can check that out you were on recently we had a zach brittle sighting recently on the podcast did, um, yeah, that was fun. yeah so those are some ways well, thanks for coming on and uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll make sure that people know how to find you. And uh, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, man. Uh, I, I'm supposed to say it's time to land this plane. So we're landing this plane. Okay, so that's my friend, Stephen. And I'm really glad you got to hang out with him. You should definitely check him out at Sage Hill and at the Leadership Lab. If you want to learn more about his thoughts around addiction, you should check out his book. Um, he also has got plenty of books on parenting. Um, but mostly he's just a guy you ought to be aware of. 
Uh, for now, I will say Happy Merry. I hope you have a happy Christmas, Merry New Year, um, all the other things that we celebrate in this time. Hope that you keep your chin up, that you do find hope. And I will take an opportunity to thank you for all the time and attention you're putting into your relationship, making it better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.